Welcome to the You Are Not Alone podcast show. This is your host, Danny, coming to you with another uplifting message of hope and inspiration. Boy, I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm excited to talk about Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about what Isaiah wrote 700 years before Jesus comes on the face of the earth. Let me tell you something how powerful Jesus is. Remember this, whatever's on your heart and mind is on God's heart and mind. Isaiah 53, what makes this such a powerful chapter, it predicts Christ and what he will go through, that he will suffer, that he will restore men back to the right place with God. But you know, to really to understand Isaiah 53, we have to start in Isaiah chapter 52 at verse 13. But we're going to talk about Jesus. Over 700 years before he comes to the earth, he left this promise for those in the Old Testament. And Isaiah talks about this prophecy, which was fulfilled when Christ came on the earth. He done exactly what we're about to read about. So I want you to be excited. I want you to know, the last time I talked, I talked about Miracle Tuesday. I talked about how Jesus' name had authority when he was ascended and that the disciples are able to use his name but in Isaiah 53 in the Old Testament even for Jesus come to the earth he was spoken of we hear this word by his stripes we are healed we're going to dive into this and today I'm reading from the New King James Version we're going to be looking at Isaiah 53 to get an understanding of what this servant was remember Jesus owned it all his father owned it all. He didn't have to become a servant, but he came a servant to redeem men, to give us back to his father as rightful children, rightful heirs. Do you know that you are heir today? Do you know that you are royalty today? If you don't know it, you're going to know it today because I'm here to declare that you are royalty, that God has set you up for such a time as this. And I want to encourage you today that you are full of love. God loves you. I don't care what the enemy tells you. I don't care what the people are telling you. I don't care how they have you beat down at work and stressed out. God loves you. There's nothing he won't do for you. He sent his promise over 700 years before he came to the face of the earth about what he was going to do. It was written so that men could not deny that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. This Jesus we talked about in Act 3, who, who named performed this miracle of this guy who was laying at the gate, brought there daily to look for silver and gold. But he got much more that day. What did he get? He got Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk! And he got up and walked. So I hope that you're excited because I'm really excited because I love the Lord. I'm in love with God. He's all that I have. He's all that I know. When I get down, I call on his name. Jesus. Jesus, I say that. Because guess what? I have that promise that I can use his name when it comes to all kind of things that come against me in my life. Jesus. So I want you to understand that name has power. It's not a joking name. It's a name that has strength. And remember I told you, 
for this podcast. March 19th will be a day of prayer for us. But we're going to pray for the universe. We're going to pray for the world. We're going to pray that people be blessed, that homes will change. We're going to also make sure our declaration is for the persecuted church, that those people who persecute the church get a change of heart. You know, I've been telling you about sending your prayer requests in, but I have an email address so that you can send those prayer requests in. Please send it to You Are Not Alone Pod, Danny Hampton, spelled D-A-N-N-Y-H-A-M-P-T-O, at gmail.com. I would love to hear your prayer requests to stand in agreement with you, your testimonies, believing that God is going to do something in your life. And once again, my email address is You Are Not Alone Pod. Danny Hampton at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Want to let you know that I love you. And also, uh, this month, we're going to pass out these hat and gloves to the homeless. We're going to encourage people. You are not alone. It's going to be that ministry that's going to go out and we're going to shake the world because we're a family. Remember this whatever's on your heart and mind is on God's heart and mind. And like I said, God loves you. I love you. And I'm just going to give a little backdrop. Nowhere in all the Old Testament is it so plainly and fully prophesied that Christ ought to suffer and then to enter into his glory, as in this chapter, Isaiah 53. But to this day, few discern or will acknowledge the divine power which goes with the word. The most important report of salvation for sinners through the power which goes with the word the son of God is disregarded the low condition he submits to and his appearance in the world were not agreeable to the ideas the Jews had formed of the Messiah it was expected that he should come on pomp instead of that he grew up as a plant, silent or insensible. He had nothing of the glory one might have thought to meet him. His whole life was not only humble as the outward condition, but also sorrow, being made sin for us. He underwent the sentence of sin had exposed us to carnal hearts seeing nothing in the Lord Jesus to desire of interest in him at last but how many is he still despised in people and rejected as having all authority this Jesus who left heaven to come to earth had owned everything he became a servant they couldn't understand that why would he come and not have pomp and circumstances why would he not be born in the palace why would he be born in the manger why why was he laid there but see people didn't understand that when Jesus came he was the ultimate sacrifice he was the Lamb of God. Understand this. You keep livestock in a barn. He was a sacrifice. 
for all mankind to take on sin of the world. But you know how we do it before we start and dive into this. We start out in prayer. We start to glorify God in prayer. And you know, one of the things that I, I've been doing in 2020 and going through 2021 is acknowledging the places that hear the word of God and who just listen. Because I thank God because God has given you an ear to want to hear what the Lord has laid on my heart to speak about. And today we're going to be speaking about Isaiah 53, but we're going to start in Isaiah 52, uh, verse 13. Because I want you to see this Jesus in this chapter, because then you're going to understand why his life was the way it was and what he did for all mankind. That name Jesus has so much power and dunamis in it. I want you to realize that, you know, I'm believing that today that somebody's going to come into the knowledge of Christ and, and understand that. But I like to thank the people in the state of California who listen to the podcast. The people in North Carolina, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Alabama, New York, South Carolina, Illinois, and also for the people in the country of Belgium, Canada, United Kingdom, Iran, Russia, and Spain. I love you because we're a family member. We're not, this just is not no podcast talking about God. We're a family. I'm believing that God is going to do something for every one of y'all who listen. I'm believing that in 2021, that God is going to restore some things back to you. I know that we're dealing with COVID. I know you're tired of wearing face masks, waiting on the vaccine, got all the stuff going on. That's all kind of new leadership in the world today. But understand is God sits on the throne. He ain't going nowhere. And let's pray. Oh, precious Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I just thank you for the day, Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for what you put in Isaiah's heart to prophesize about the coming of the Messiah who will suffer for all mankind, who will take sin upon him so that today I can be free and say, Abba, Father, I thank you, Father, that you sent your Son, that he was obedient to you, to suffer ridicule beat down father i pray father for the homeless today i pray father for the widows i pray for the orphans father i pray for all those who stand in need of you father who need something from you today father and you know father how i feel about the persecuted church because somebody can't say jesus like i just said somebody can't say the blood of jesus someone can't say thank you jesus without being despised or might be arrested or might be even put to death father I pray, Father, that those people who persecute the church, Father, that you would step in, Father, that you would correct their hearts and let them say, oh, no, this must stop. Let it go all the way up to the person who sent them out to do it. I ask you, Father, not just change the people who are doing it, but the leadership, Father. Father, I just glorify and magnify you today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm telling y'all, I'm ready. Hope that you're ready. Now, we're going to look at Isaiah, starting at verse, chapter 52, verse 13. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Behold, my servant should deal prudently. He should be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished, you saw his vices was marred more than any man and his form was more than the son of man let me tell you something 
about this Jesus that we serve. And it says that, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what has not been told to them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. You know, when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he performed all kind of miracles. He raised the dead. He opened the eyes of the blind. The deaf heard. The lame was healed. Demons was cast out. Instead of the people recognizing him as the Messiah, they saw him totally different. They saw him as the enemy and not the Messiah. You know, this in Isaiah 52 verses 13 through 15, it talks about, you know, this beatdown that we saw in the movie Passion of the Christ is only a little bit what happened to Christ on the cross. He was so disfigured that you couldn't even make him out. He was so badly beat and what people don't realize, it wasn't the fact that he was being beat and tortured. It was the fact that sin was falling all over him. Just think like this, as every time he hit adultery, murder, death, all these was being hit on him. I'm talking about all the sins of the world. Anything that you can think of was being put on him. So when he's on the cross and he's been terrorized and beat down as he's walking, you know, carrying the cross and they put thorns on his heads, in other words, they're just putting sin on him. He just beating him down, beating him down. They didn't, could you imagine if you were God, would you subject yourself to being beat down like that? I don't think you would. This is the last most memorable of the Messiah. This section contains unarguably proof that God is the author of scripture and Jesus fulfillment of the Masonic prophecy. The details are so to the minute that no human could have predicted them by accident. No one could predict what happened to Christ. No one, I'm talking about, this is, this right here tells everything that he's going to go through before he comes on the face of the earth down to every detail. Nothing is left out. This is what you, when you want to know about prophecy being fulfilled, if there was really a Jesus. Isaiah 53 is the stamp of approval that he did come and he was going to come and he was going to suffer for mankind. Understand this. Jesus knew the very moment that he left heaven, he was going to be a servant and he was going to be condemned on earth. But he was so obedient to his father and loved him so much that he followed whatever his father wanted him to do without hesitation, without grumbling. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he subjects himself to lay down his life. I've told you before, Jesus knew no sin, so he could not die. He had the free will and give up his life. He had the right to pick it up 
at any point in time he wanted. And if he would have told the father, I don't want to do it, he still was going to be loved by the father. But he loved his father. He loved his father. This summary in Isaiah 52 verses 13 to 15 is a preview of all the humiliation that he had to take on. How he had to suffer because he wanted to give his father children. Today you have a right to say, I'm my father. I don't care what the enemy is telling you. You know, when it talks about how his, his face was disfigured, the servant must undergo inhumane cruelty to the point he no longer looks like a human being. His appearance is so awful that people looked at him in astonishment. You know, when we see and we hear these people at the cross and they said, take yourself down. When it was all over, they were astonished. They couldn't believe that he was, someone was done that way. He took a beating. In Isaiah 52, 15, it says, so he should sprinkle many nations. Kings should shut their mouths at him for what? had not been told them, they should see. And what they had not heard, they should consider. In his disfigured state, the servant will perform a priestly work of cleansing, not just Israel, but many outside the nation. At his exaltation, human leaders in the highest places will be speechless and in all before the once despised servant. When he takes his throne, they will see the unfolding of power and glory such as they have never seen. Understand this. When Christ comes back on the earth, he's not coming like he came. He's not coming as a servant. Do you know what the world is going to say? Oh my. Oh my. You thought they was astonished because they saw him beat down like that in Isaiah 52. Wait till they see him in his glory. He's going to bring all of them down to repentance. Bring them down to their knees. How could you put your hands on God? Understand this. How could you put your hands on God? Now we first of all into Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This question implies that in spite of these and other prophecies, only a few would recognize the servant when he appeared. The anticipation, you know, because he didn't come in this ray of glory that mankind wanted him to come. They couldn't believe him. They couldn't believe that this is the Messiah. Because they were looking for something perfect. But he was perfect. He was perfect in all that he did. All he did when he walked in his anointing on the earth was good. Because God knows no evil. 
at the end of the day. He's not evil. He's not, he's not consumed by that. Because he's God. But they wouldn't believe. For he should grow up before him as a tender plant. Though unrecognized by the world, the Messiah Jesus was observed and careful by God who ordered every minute of his circumstances, his life. The servant will arise in a lowly condition and wear none of the unusual clothes of royalty, making his true identity visible only to discerning with faith. The only way you could see Jesus when he was on earth was by faith. This is why when you read about the lady with the issue of blood, that she's healed instantly as she touched him. Because her faith in him, because the world didn't see him that way. They were lying on him. They said he had a Beelzebub. They said he had a demon. They wouldn't, they wouldn't glorify him or the Holy Spirit. But this Jesus, the only way you was going to see him was by faith. This is why Nicodemus, he believed in him, but he came to him at night because he couldn't be seen socializing with him. He couldn't be seen socializing. And let's go on. Then it goes on to say this. He is despised. And rejected of men. The prophet foresees the hatred and rejection by mankind towards the Messiah, the servant. See, they lacked understanding. They wanted this Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. They wanted him to come blazing. They wanted him to be a warrior like David. They wanted him to annihilate the Romans. The people oppressed them. But Jesus, when he came, he came in servitude. He came humble to change men's heart. He didn't go to those who was well. He went to those who needed a physician. And so it appeared to them that he was out of his mind because instead of running to the safe folks. He was going to the ones that they considered to be cursed. But Jesus didn't come at this time on the earth to judge them. He came to save. And if he did judge, it would have been fair. But he didn't come for that. He came for a whole nother mission. He came to give us freedom. To break the shackles of bondage to sin. This is what the Messiah did. Remember like this Isaiah 53. Like I said. It's told 700 years before he's born. This is a promise they had. Even when he hadn't descended from heaven to come to earth. This is a promise that he gave me. Before he came to earth. And we're going to see it. Let me check this out. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were a face from him. He was despised, 
and we did not esteem him. By using the first person, the prophet spoke for his unbelieving nation to crucify the Messiah and their lack of respect for the incarnate Son of God. They couldn't see him because they didn't have faith to see him. You can't have faith to see Jesus. For your life to change, you got to see, have faith that he can do it. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I want you to know, if you trust him and you call on him, he'll come running. He's just waiting on you to talk to him. Check this out in verse 4. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Even though the verbs are past tense, they predict a happening future to Isaiah's time. Prophetic perfect in Hebrew. And elsewhere is the servant song Isaiah was saying that the Messiah will bear the consequences of the sins of men, namely the grief and sorrow of life through incredible actions. The Jews who watched him die thought he was being punished by God for his own sins. So when they saw him on the cross, they said, man, God getting him. But it was the complete opposite. He was doing it for them. They didn't have faith to see it. To see Jesus, you got to have faith to see Jesus. Isaiah 53 has so many promises. You know, and just think, we ain't even got no farther than verse 5. But check this out. I'm going to go back. Start verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. All those licks and hits. That's sin on him. Getting on him. Because he knew no sin. He couldn't die. He had to give up his life freely. It just says, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. Do you know what that meant? We were, a, we were set free. We were, we were free because he put it all on him. Now check this out. Now check this out. Then it says this. And by his stripes, we are healed. All those licks, all that beat down, his face so disfigured that he don't even look human. They looked upon him with astonishment. What? What? That's what they were saying. And check this out, check this out, check this out, check this out, check this out. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own ways. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. That's a beatdown that he got. And you know, and sometimes we don't even realize just what he did. And do you know, this is about the reason why 
sheep are, you know, like illustrated in this. We're going we're gonna to get there because, you know, I, tell me, I just want you to know that, you know, it says, all we like sheep. I want you to understand this about sheep. Sheep are the most helpless of all animals when they go astray. They can't find their way back. That's why we're like sheep. We can't find our way back. We needed a compass, and Jesus was the compass to put us back on course. So he put us back on course. He's the compass. Okay, and, 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 and let's go on, let's go on, let's go on. Let's go on, okay. This verse is filled with the language of substitution. The servant suffered not for his own sins. He was sinless, but as a substitute for sinners. The emphasis here is on Christ being a substitute, the recipient who was going to take on the sins of the world. Because this is what, for God's wrath towards sinners. The chastisement of our peace. He suffered the chastisement of God in order to procure our peace with God. He set us free. So now you can get on your knees and say, Abba, Father, God, I need you. God, don't look at you as someone that's cast off. He looks at you as a son and a daughter with rights. Didn't have them before until Jesus go to the cross. Didn't have no rights. Okay. Let's go on, let's go on, let's go on. I want you to see it. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Let's go back. Let's go back. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. You got to see, you got to see, you got to see. I want to see this. This right here, I want to share this with you. Isaiah 57, Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. You know, in Acts, you're going to read about this Ethiopian uh, eunuch. And this is what he was reading. He was reading this right here when Philip got in and began to tell him who Jesus was. He said there was no one to interpret for him, but God sent Philip and the man was baptized. And he went back to Ethiopia. And you know, the, you know the rest of God. God got his trophies. He got his people. Okay. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. The servant will utter no protest and will be utterly submissive to those who oppress him. Jesus fulfills this. If you look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 63, you're going to find out that he fulfills it. He doesn't argue. He doesn't fight. 
He said, when they come out and Judas give a kiss, oh, you, this is how you gonna do me? He said, y'all kind of close. He doesn't, he doesn't run. Everybody else run. He doesn't hide. He lets them take him. He let them do whatever he want, they want to do to him because he loves his father. I'm telling you, Jesus loves his father. So he's going to suffer for the world. Do you understand what that means? He suffered for me and you. This is why I love him. I can't help but love him. So he opens not his mouth like a lamb to the slaughter. The servant was to assume the role as a sacrificial lamb. Jesus fulfilled the scriptures in a negative role, literally. He's not fighting. He ain't calling for legions of angels, which he could do. He don't do none of that. This is why the name of Jesus has power. Don't ever think that he doesn't have power. Don't ever think that he didn't love you enough. He loves you. And check this out. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who would declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. You know, I just want you to see that. Because of his disgraceful death, the Jews intended the servant to have a disgraceful burial along with the thieves. But instead, he was buried with the rich in an honorable burial. See, you ain't going to take God and just give him what you want to give him. You're not going to take God and give him what you want to give him. Through a donated tomb by a rich man named Joseph, an heir married. See, that's what it says. No violence nor deceit. The servant, innocent, meant that his execution was totally undeserving. That's what Peter was saying. And when he gets up, he starts testifying and acts. Chapter 2 and 3, he's letting you know, hey, what y'all did to this, this just man was unjust. You got to see it because you see it. You can, you, can, you can get the revelation that, that this Jesus that we believe in was really real because this is 700 years before he comes on the face of the earth. And, and I'm just showing you that how real he was. And check this out. In verse 10 it says, check this out. Wait, let's go. Let's, okay, let me go back to that. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This is why Jesus said the right hand of God right now. Because this sacrifice, though the servant did not deserve to die, it was the Lord's will for him to do so. As an offering fulfilled by the servant as a lamb of God, Christ is the Christian pastor. This conclusive 
shows that they were wrong, what they did for him. But he had to, he had to bear the sins of men. You know, it says that to see his seed, the servant must rise from the dead. And he would, and he will do this. And we know he did it because we read that he rose in three days. That he rose in three days. And check this out. Let's go back to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to grieve him. When he had put him to grief, when you make his soul an offering for sin, he should see his seed. He should prolong his days. And the pleasures of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He should see the labors of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many, for he should bear their iniquities. He should satisfy us. This one sacrifice of the servant will provide the complete satisfaction in selling the sin issue. The servant knew exactly what needed to be done to solve the sin problem. Through divine knowledge of how to justify sinners, the plan was accomplished by his great sacrifice on the cross. I want you to see it. I want you to see it. I want to tell you just how bad Jesus was. This is why the name had power right now. We can roll on to verse 12. We're about to finish. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. He should divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgression. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgression. The servant reward for his work would be to enjoy the spoils of his spiritual victory during his millennial reign. Numbered with the transgression, the servant assumes a role among sinful human beings fulfilled by Jesus when he was crucified between two criminals. He made intercessions for the transgression. This speaks of the office of intercessory as a high priest begun on the cross. And check this out. Jesus went to the cross for me and you. So today, you have a right to say, Abba, Father. And I want to let you know whatever's on your heart and mind is on God's heart and mind. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. Understand, Jesus has power. And let's close in prayer. Oh, precious Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I just thank you, Father, for your word. I pray, Father, that people will get the understanding of Isaiah 53, what you did and how you walked on earth and gave us total victory over the enemy. I pray that you bless your people in Jesus' name. Like I said, if you have any prayer requests, please send it to You're Not Alone, Pod, Danny Hampton, at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Remember, March 19th is our day of prayer for the universe that we live in. I want to tell you I love you. I can't wait to talk to you again. Hope that you enjoy the show. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.